everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Discover series on the St Barnabas Thatcham podcast. I'm Reverend Nicola and it's great to be here with you again. So if you've tuned into some of our other Discover series episodes, you'll know that it's an opportunity to think about some of the basics of the Christian faith um, and spirituality um, and just to really explore those things in a bit more depth um, than maybe you would pick up sort of week to week in church. So this week um, I have an interesting topic which is quite simply Christianity. So (laughs) I've only given myself a small task by just talking about the whole of Christianity. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an overview and again um, I'm going to approach this in the way I, as I have the other episodes where I am going to um, really go back to basics because so often again we just assume that people know these things um, and there's no reason that you actually would unless you've been around it your whole life so we're going to go back and have a bit of a history lesson of Christianity where it's come from and um, a little bit of how it exists today Um, and some of the reasons for that and I'm going to give you some resources if you want to learn more Um, there are as you could imagine some pretty hefty books out there on church history Um, but some really great ones so I'm going to recommend some of those if you want to know more um, detail than I'm able to give you today then I'm going to have a think about some of the values of Christianity that make it really special for me and really are at the heart of what Christians believe Um, So this, again, is completely what I have chosen. I like to think they reflect um, what most Christians would say um, as what's important to them and what's central to the Christian faith. But obviously everyone's different. Everyone has um, slightly different emphases and sees things in slightly different ways. So I'm certainly not claiming that my thoughts are universal, (laughs) but um, they're here for you to just chew over a little bit and see what you think. So let's jump in to our introduction to Christianity, our sort of bio of the Christian faith. So Christianity, of course, is one of the major world faiths. And um, in 2015, it was estimated there were 2.3 billion Christians in the world. So at that point, that was a third of the world's population. So absolutely huge. And yet Christianity began um, just over 2000 years ago with just a single person, with a charismatic Jewish figure called Jesus. Now, Jesus, obviously, in his life, he drew together a small group of people who followed him and learned from him. And they were known as his disciples. So disciple basically means learner. So the initial what became Christianity um, in Jesus's time Jesus was Jewish his movement was within Judaism it wasn't separate from Judaism Um, so the church branched out in its history from its Jewish roots although so much of um, the Christian faith is based in Judaism still so the initial movement that became Christianity began with Jesus and that little group of disciples Uh, and after Jesus died this group of disciples continued to meet together and they began to share their message about Jesus more widely and they attracted more new followers um, to this movement and to the teaching and lifestyle that Jesus taught and this movement grew and grew 
and it grew to a point where it eventually separated um, from, came out of the sort of Jewish fold and became a movement in its own right. And it's that movement um, that became the early church, which eventually obviously grew into the church that we have today. So in those early years, um, the church, so the very early church in the first sort of hundred years after Jesus died, they wrote down some of the stories of Jesus um, and some of Jesus' early followers, like Paul, um, who's one of the famous early followers of Jesus, wrote letters to some of these new fledgling churches. So new churches started to pop up all around um, the Mediterranean and Paul was one of the people who travelled from place to place and visiting these churches and supporting them. So he wrote letters to them when he had moved on from visiting them to encourage them in their new faith, in their faith in Jesus. And these um, became the bulk of the New Testament. So things like Romans and 1 Corinthians. Um, So Romans was written to the Roman church um, and Corinthians was written to the Corinthian church in Greece. So these early stories of Jesus that the early church wrote down and these letters that uh, some of these first traveling, I suppose missionaries really describe them as now, um, these people who traveled and built up these early churches, they became the New Testament, which is the distinctively Christian part of the Bible, because the Old Testament is the writings of that Jewish heritage of Christianity, and those writings are shared with the Jewish faith. So we have this early movement of these people, some of whom were Jesus's disciples, others who joined later, um, and they grew and grew in those first few years. But those early years weren't without trouble for them. Um, The early church existed in a very different cultural setting. I say it existed all around the Mediterranean um, and into the Middle East, but came under persecution so the early church um, often under the Romans um, suffered quite a great deal really of of difficulty um, and struggle in those early years and then in um, around 330 so we've moved on quite a few years then from um, the time Jesus was around the Roman emperor Constantine became a Christian And Christianity then later became the state religion of the Roman Empire. So we go from this sort of backwater, um, small Jewish movement that has grown out and grown into something distinct, something that had been persecuted, um, that the Roman Empire had tried to stamp out, and now it has become the religion of the empire. And Christianity's gone from being the underdog to being the state religion of a huge empire in the world. Now there's a whole lot of history between there and where we are today, uh, but the church continued to grow and continued to spread around the world um, and it went on to take many new forms and many of these forms still exist today. So this includes Roman Catholicism and Protestantism and Protestantism itself takes on many, many, many forms, including Anglicanism, Um, which is the Church of England Um, and there is also a worldwide Anglican church um, with the Church of England being the mother church of that um, which is what we at St Barnabas are part of 
um, Pentecostalism, Methodism, and on and on and on. There are so many different varieties of church today. And the message, that early message um, that Jesus shared has morphed and changed in its different contexts all around the world and now can be found on every continent. So in Europe, um, there are thousands of Christian denominations and in Thatcham, um, we also have many. Um, And in the past, you know, these different denominations um, might have been at odds with each other at times. Um, But now it's a very different picture, I think, in most places. And particularly here in Thatcham, we see our brothers and sisters um, in other denominations as exactly that, as brothers and sisters. And we work together. We recognise that we have common goals and common values. And we enjoy our similarities whilst respecting our differences and our different histories. Um, so it's a very different picture to how it would have been <laughs> a few, um, maybe even 50 years ago. Uh, it's very different today. And Christianity, of course, in our country has massively influenced our society, our laws, how we're governed. And Christianity was the belief system and the worldview upon which our society was built. So, so much of what is in the Bible, so much of Christianity and the way um, Christianity and the Christian worldview is um, has affected how our society has been built. Now you'd have to be living under a rock to uh, not realise that Christianity in the West, you know, has seen decline in the last few decades, um, probably again in the last sort of fifty years. And in the UK, church attendance has gone down massively from previous generations. And a new generation of people my age, I'm in my 30s, are much less likely to go to church and church congregations. Um, Not all of them. There are many um, young congregations, younger end congregations, but um, many congregations are now have an older demographic within them. And there's much to be said about that. And I do have much to say about that. But what's really important to note, I think, is that this isn't the global picture of what is happening with Christianity and that the stronghold of Christianity in previous generations has been in Europe and now the stronghold of Christianity is moving um, in the world and it is moving to the south to the global south and in the global south the church is booming and thriving and growing really rapidly So the areas of biggest growth for the church are now in Africa, in Latin America and in Asia. And there is absolutely fascinating literature coming out of that part of the world and a church in that part of the world. And that part of the world's um, churches are really um, presenting a really useful and good challenge, I think, to us churches in the north um, who may be hanging on to some traditional ways of doing things where perhaps we can learn from their freshness and the way that they're looking at things. So one particular bit of writing, uh, a movement that's come out of Latin America is liberation theology and that is all about um, how God is favouring and is behind the cause of the poor and wants to see people liberated from those things that hold them back um, and keep them in poverty. So really fascinating. There's a whole world of stuff to explore there. But as a young person who is part of the church today um, in the global north, um, 
I, I do still see the church as a place of vibrancy and life. Um, and I say there are pockets of the church in the UK that are really flourishing and the church in London actually is, has seen quite a lot of growth in recent years. Um, but I do sometimes feel like there's a bit of a translation issue because we now have a generation of us who, I mean, I didn't grow up going to church. I came into it later. Um, and sometimes it can be a struggle when you've not experienced that to come into the church with all of its particular ways of doing things. Um, so that's a challenge that I see for the church today to be translating um, the message of Christianity to a new generation. And that for me really is the call of the church in every generation is to take that message that Jesus first shared and to make it fresh and vibrant and make sense to the culture of its day. Um, I think that's what we're here for. So that's what I'm about. <laughs> so let's have a think now about some of those values of Christianity. Um, before I go into this, I think it's really important to reflect that um, though Christianity has these values at it, its core, the church most definitely does not always live up to these values. So I think of it much like how I have values as a parent. So I have values of being loving and patient and kind with my child, but I still get snippy and grumpy <laughs> and fail to live up to my own values. And the church being made up of human beings <laughs> fails and sometimes it fails so catastrophically and has done in its history. And we have to be really honest about that. But for me, because a, um, you know, where I fail, say, as a parent and I get things wrong, it doesn't mean that my ideals about parenthood are wrong. Um, it means that I just haven't hit that mark or I have um, let myself down maybe on one particular day or just struggled on one particular day. Um, and I don't want to abandon my ideals because I can't match up to them. I want to strive harder and push harder to do better um, the next time. So that's how I kind of, that's how I see the church really, that the church, like any human institution or any human being, sometimes fails and sometimes gets it wrong. Sometimes it gets it right and then it's a beautiful, wonderful thing. Um, but often um, fails to live up to those ideals which Jesus gave to us and which God gives to us. Um, but just because we fail doesn't mean we shouldn't strive and we shouldn't reach out. And interestingly, I think that um, the fact that we fail is not really that surprising based on how the Bible describes us as human beings. So the Bible describes us as having two sides, that humanity has two sides to it. And that within each person um, and within humanity as a whole, there is both that darkness and that light. And the story of the Bible really is a journey of God willing us to overcome that darkness with light. Um, but it also tells us that this is absolutely not complete. And when you look at the letters I was talking about, so the letters of Paul to the early church, they're full of arguments and people getting things wrong and um, him saying, you can't behave like that, you can't do this. So um, failure and failing to live up to the ideals of 
God is nothing new um, for us or for the church. Um, so in some ways, the Bible sort of tells us that this is what we should expect because this is sort of how we are. Um, so yeah, in many ways, I don't find it surprising, but I think it's really important that we acknowledge that and and don't act like because these are the ideals of Christianity, um, every Christian, every church is going to be a perfect living embodiment of them as much as we would love it to be. So let's turn to these values. So the first one for me is love. And this for me is the most fundamental value of Christianity. Because firstly, at the heart of the Christian message, I believe, is the message of God's love for us. The Bible really, I see it as one long story of God's continuing efforts to reach out to us and to help us to live lives of meaning and purpose and hope. And when we get things wrong, um, to turn and find a better way for our sake and for the sake of the world. And the Christian story for me shows us the true depth and extent of God's love for us. Um, and we see that in the story of Jesus. So what the story of Jesus tells me is that God loves us so completely and utterly that he is willing to come to earth in Jesus to show us how much he loves us. Because as Christians, we believe that in Jesus, we see God and we know what God is like. And we also believe that Jesus shows us how to live our lives, how to have meaning in our lives and hope in our lives. And most importantly, how to live in a way that we love others as God loves us. So for me, love is central to Christianity. It's it's heartbeat, really, um, and what it's all about. And really is a guiding principle um, in which, as Christians, we should be making decisions, that we should be looking to um, whether we are reflecting that love of God for the world in how we behave towards our neighbours um, and actually how we treat ourselves. So the next one, the second one, um, that is key for me is forgiveness. So as I mentioned, the Bible is really frank about what we as people are like. And this picture really resonates for me because it's not a wholly negative picture, which I think for me would be inaccurate. I see so much goodness around me. I see so much goodness in people. Um, but we also see that the world is absolutely not what we wish it would be. And even I think if we're really honest with ourselves, that we aren't always what we wish we would be and that sometimes we don't fail to live up to our own values and ideals. And the Bible teaches us that we are both those things so that we're of infinite worth and value to God. It even talks about us being made in the image of God so that we reflect something of God. We're that precious um, and that we're God's children. But it also teaches us that we fall short on um, all the possibilities um, and all the amazing things, really, that we're capable of. And that we fail to live and love in the way that God wants us to. That we take things for granted. Um, we take the world for granted and the resources that we have for granted. Um, and that we get it wrong and that this has real consequences. And that, the Bible teaches us, is it, it says that's why the world is as it is. And that all of us 
no matter what we do, we're all caught up in that story. So for me, if I think about um, the world today and think about climate change, and none of us can escape the story of climate change. And for me, so you might hear um, the word sin, and sometimes that can make us feel um, like it's an, an old school word that's kind of used to bash people over the head and make them feel bad about themselves. But for me, um, climate change is an example of kind of human global sin that we fail to take the world that we have that sustains us that gives us everything that we need we fail to treasure that and respect that um, and instead we use it and we exploit it um, until it can no longer support us or anything else on earth and if that isn't sin I don't know what is (laughs) honestly Um, but we are all caught up in that like none of us can escape um, the consequences of climate change like we can try and make a difference to it but we are all caught up in it every single person and that for me um, is what the bible is trying to say um, that the world has gone down the wrong path um, because of selfishness and greed but at the heart of um, the message of the bible and of christianity is that God's heart is ultimately a heart of forgiveness so these things are real um, the things that are going wrong in the world are real but the Bible's teaching us that whatever we've done and in whatever way we maybe personally feel like we've got things wrong or um, we see globally we're getting things wrong we can always come to God and ask for forgiveness And that God will always grant that forgiveness when it is asked for sincerely. And the wonderful thing about this, I think, is really liberating um, as a Christian, is that that brings a really deep and real freedom. Just because we're forgiven doesn't mean there aren't consequences to things. But knowing that when we get things wrong, again, if you think about a relationship as a parent with a child... All you want when they have gotten something wrong and they're learning and growing is you just want them to come and say sorry and then you say, okay, like slate is wiped clean, let's begin again. And by doing that, you rebuild your relationship and you're able to move forwards together and you don't hang it over their head and say to them, forever I will um, remind you of this mistake you made when you were three. I mean, we don't do that to our children and God doesn't do that to us. Like God doesn't hold over our head everything that we have ever done wrong when we come to him with sincere um, sorrow for where where we've messed, messed things up. And so knowing that, it means, you know, for me, it, it's a liberation from um, perfection. I know that I don't need to be perfect. I recognise that I'm not perfect and I know that when I get things wrong, I can ask for that forgiveness and it will be granted and there will be a way forwards for me, like whatever has happened. And likewise, it's a model for us in our relationships with other people that when we ask for forgiveness in our relationships, we can heal our relationships and we can move forwards and I think it's a model for the world. I mean, how many conflicts are just a continuation of almost this um, grudge through generations of just hitting back and back and back and back. And what is really needed in there is forgiveness and reconciliation so that we can move forwards in a better and more productive way. So forgiveness for me is just 
really at the heart of what it means to be a Christian and have a Christian worldview. Now, the third and final one I want to speak about is um, hope. So being a Christian for me, um, I think it gives a worldview that is realistic. So like I was saying, um, it accounts for the difficulties in the world. It accounts for the struggles of the world. But it also ultimately, I think, gives a really hopeful and optimistic outlook on life and on the world because through the things that I believe and think again about my first point about love you know I believe that ultimately there is a God who loves us and who has good plans for us and who is with us in whatever comes and I experience that in my life in when things happen I I experience God with me I experience that love um, and that like a rock underneath my feet um, when difficulties come and it gives me a hope that God has a plan for the world which we need that at the moment don't we wow (laughs) that everything that happens is not all random and out of control even when it seems that way and it can give me hope in the same way in my own life that when things happen to me that are difficult and when I'm really struggling that there is meaning in what happens to me in my life and that there is possibility for me to change and grow and that God is with me in this um, and walks alongside me in my life um, as I go through the ups and downs, really. And ultimately, it gives me the hope that at the end of my life, I'm not entering into nothingness, but instead I'm returning to God and returning to the love that created me, to the source of all love that has been with me throughout my life. So that for me, I think fundamentally makes me optimistic and joyful. That's the two words that sort of came to me when I was thinking about it, what hope does. It makes me look out on the world, even when I've had incredibly tough times, I've always returned to joy and to optimism. Um, and I'm really thankful for that. So I hope that was interesting for you. Um, it might be, you know, if you, it might be interesting for you to reflect on, you know, what would you, your three key things be um, from the heart of the Christian message, as you know it so far. Um, if you want to take any of this further, I have a few suggestions for you, some resources. So I'm, I don't know if I've recommended this one before, but um, I love it. So I may well have done, but it's a book called Unapologetic. So it's, uh, I'll read you the full title. It's Unapologetic, Why Despite Everything, Christianity Can Still Make Surprising Emotional Sense. And it's by Francis Spufford. Um, I think I recommended this in the episode about Jesus, actually, because the section on Jesus is really good. But um it's a great one for thinking about the overarching story of Christianity um, and what it means. And it's really readable. So that is a great one to pick up. Um, if you're really interested in the history of Christianity, I've got a couple of recommendations. The first one is not for the faint hearted, I'll be honest. Um, but there is a book, you can get it on audiobook now, which might be a bit more manageable. And there's a book called A History of Christianity, The First 3,000 Years, and it's by Dermot McCulloch. And as you can imagine, a book that spans 
um, 3,000 years is not small. <laughs> so, um, but it is really thorough and really fascinating. Um, and you could, you know, dip into certain periods. Like if you want to know more about the early church, you could read those sections. Um, but yeah, he goes into a lot of detail. So um, just bear that in mind. Um, but you also might like to try it again if you're interested in, okay, well, when did Protestantism emerge? Um um, from the Catholic Church and how did that happen and what is Pentecostalism and what does that mean and what about the church in the south or anything that has made you um, sparked your imagination or interest you could try the Oxford University Press very short introduction series so they have one on Anglicanism if you want to know more about where that came from and where the Church of England and the global Anglican Church came from I think there's one on Pentecostalism, I'd be surprised if there isn't. There's one on the Reformation, which is when um, Protestantism emerged out of the Roman Catholic Church. Um, yeah, there's loads, and there is actually a Christian introduction to Christianity. I think I think there's one for all the major world religions. So that's worth looking at because it's there, um, as the title suggests, very short introductions, but very interesting. The other book um, that you might like to check out is by Desmond and Mafo Tutu um, and this is called The Book of Forgiving and it really goes into a lot more those ideas I was talking about when I was talking about forgiveness and it's um, it's a very practical book um, sort of walking you through forgiveness in your own life as well as um, thinking about what forgiveness is, why forgive, what forgiveness can do for us and for the world. So it's a really beautiful and fascinating book. So I'd definitely recommend that one. And um, you could also look out um, Rob Bell, Love Wins, which again is a sort of overarching um, story of the the Christian story, really, um, and the love of God for the world. Um, yeah, looking at a lot of things I've been speaking about in this episode. And again, very readable. All his books are very readable. So I hope you enjoy um, looking at some of those things. If this has raised any questions for you um, that you'd like to discuss, really happy to do that. Just drop me a message um, through Instagram or through our website and I will hopefully be back soon with another topic. So thanks for joining. Bye.